Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We're going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. Sometimes we can feel very alone in our feelings, in our confidence, and in our own space. We get stuck in our human minds and think that everything is happening to just us. We go inside of ourselves as we star in our own movies, taking for granted that there are others in different time zones, countries, and cultures that could be having a similar experience. No matter how far away they are, there is something that brings us together. That is the journey of confidence. Today's episode is going to break you out of your own movie. It's going to make you aware of how confidence is impacted on the other side of the world, taking into consideration culture, environment, and expectations. Today, you will hear from my dear friend and client who has been through this journey. Her story is interesting, inspiring, and it will give you clarity and calm. But be sure to listen through to the end of this episode so you can hear my tips on this topic today. Tolu Akinduni helps business leaders develop strategies to unlock value and creativity at an organizational level. Her 17 years of experience with digital and business model innovation gives her a knack for realizing opportunities through experimentation. Having lived and worked in four continents globally, she applies a rich and diverse perspective to exploring, emerging, and new market opportunities. With a commercially sensitive but customer-centric viewpoint, she combines research and innovation best practices to realize mindset transformation underpinned by tooling, frameworks, and capability development. Tolu is generally described as an energetic innovator with a passion for connecting people, ideas, and missions to achieve a wider and greater good. Her multifaceted career has allowed her the opportunity to grow and develop entrepreneurial ecosystems across various industry boundaries. This has fueled her personal mission as a strong advocate for economic inclusion to drive growth and impact in underrepresented communities through entrepreneurship education. This is why Tolu's latest project is a purpose-driven entrepreneurial endeavor called All Things Black and Beautiful. It is an online community store where you can find uniquely crafted items created by African and Black business owners. Tolu's goal with all things Black and Beautiful is to amplify Black-owned brands through collaboration and community and provide access to increased networking, educational content, and tools that will strengthen their economic impact. You will be able to find her and all of these amazing products soon at www.blackandbe.com. Lastly, Tolu resides here in Dallas, Texas with her amazing husband, Banks, and their beautiful children, Timmy and Tumi. Tolu, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been really looking forward to this episode because you have become 
a dear friend of mine and I'm grateful for our relationship. So I just want to say that. Thank you so much, Holly. Absolutely the same feeling here. I think we we uh, we connected not too long ago, and you know we've we've had such a such a a, a rich relationship so yeah. far. And yeah, thank you so much. Oh well, you bet. And for our listeners, Tolu and I met through uh, the DFW chapter of NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. We met last fall. Tolu was it? It yeah, might have been last be- fall. Yeah, just before the fall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've I've had the opportunity to coach with Tolu and become her friend. So today is really special to me. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And you have a really interesting journey. And I can say I have heard of no other journey like yours because this is like big time international journey that you went on to get to where you are today with your business and your confidence. So I know this is going to be super entertaining. But uh, before we get into the thick of things, will you tell our listeners a little bit about you first? Absolutely. So as as Holly said, I'm Tolu Akinduni and um, I am, first of all, uh, a wife uh, to a, a very handsome young man uh-huh. <laughs> called Banks. <laughs> called Banks uh, and uh, he, uh, he, you, you, people generally know him as a jewelry and gemstone entrepreneur, but he's a multifaceted character. And I've also got uh, my little one, my two-year-old daughter, Tumi, as well, and um, and then my stepson, Timmy, as well. So so first of all, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a family woman, but also I, I would describe myself as a multifaceted person who's you know who's been through lots of different career turns and and uh, and uh, you know shapes Uh, but 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 generally an energetic creative fun-loving person who really loves to connect people Uh, that's that's how I describe myself I agree 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 and you're always laughing and I love that about you like if I'm just having a crap day and I talk to you you're laughing I'm like well Tolu's laughing so I should be okay (laughs) You know, you always have a way of raising the bar and keeping things cheerful. So um, thank you. And your husband is amazing and your daughter is adorable. You have a wonderful family. So you are absolutely right on that. Okay, let's go back. Let's go to your story. Mm. Let's go to the beginning of your career journey. Let's go overseas now. Let's leave Dallas. Let's go overseas to where you started. My career journey. Okay, where yeah. do you want to start from? <laughs> let's start from the UK. No, no, let's start from, from uh, Nigeria. Nigeria. Yes, I was actually born and raised in Nigeria. And um, <clears throat> I schooled in Nigeria as well. I did part of my my university education in Nigeria. And I think uh, I'd probably take a, a quick step back because when I when I went to uni originally, I wanted to be a doctor. Mm. And then I went through this whole transformation from um, from wanting medicine because, you know, that was the thing that every African parent wanted for their child to um, to then just trying to figure out what I wanted as an individual. Um, and what was and I and I. I I discovered the power of information technology and creative technology whilst I was in university. And that really got my attention. So um, lots of twists and turns, didn't end up studying medicine. But in that process, I realized that I could also, um, I could, in that process, I realized that I could also um, 
harness my skills in, 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 in digital, in creative technology, in multimedia, in new media, as it were. So that took me to the UK. Um, my family have always lived in the UK at one point or the other. So it was like a natural transition for me, really. Okay, you know, you're living uni, what do you want to do with yourself next? Um, right. You know, okay, go to England. And that's what landed me in England, really. <laughs> well, I'm jealous because I would have loved to have lived there. Just saying that. <laughs> So um, what, when you went there, what was your work life like? Um, it was a discovery. Um, I first of all went back to uni again uh, to do a master's in degree. And, and I was working, but I was working in, in the jewelry industry, funny enough. Um, uh, but it was, uh, I think, as I navigated life in the UK, um, I was just excited about the opportunity to gain experience in an emerging industry. Um, so from, 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 from working as a jeweler, a sales assistant, then I moved into um, cre- you know, just multimedia, coding, programming, uh, working with, um, at the time it was a business school, Ashford Business School. And then from then on, it was just like, there were so many other opportunities, like of things that I could do. And you know, for me, I just went on this 10-year journey of exploration, trying my hands on different things, you know, transitioning from a developer, from someone who was coding and, and designing, to someone who was sort of managing projects and, and orchestrating digital solutions. And I didn't really, I, I think I was so caught up in that, that I didn't really see anything else. Um, <laughs> Um, I just enjoyed the ride as a young person living in London, oh, one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world, exploring different cultures, um, having the opportunity to explore Europe as well. And it was fun. It was fun. It was lots of fun. I I just enjoyed it. And I enjoyed all the learning and all the opportunities that, it, that my work life presented to me at the time. Right. Right. Yes. You were there for a good 10 years and you got to do a lot of different things. Yeah. I think that was the first 10 years, I think. So the first 10 years of just blasting through, just not even realizing uh, anything until I started to move up. Uh-huh. I, I started to move up um, in, in, in the chain. And then, you know, concept that were somewhat abstract to me started to, 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 to raise their head. For instance, I didn't even realize that I was African or black. I mean, I knew I was of African origin, and you know, we do have Afri- British Africans or British Nigerians, so it was it was it was okay. Mm-hmm. But it was when I started to go to when I went to business school that you know pe- people started asking me questions like, "Oh, is this how it's done in Africa?" or "What's your perspective on Africa?" and 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 and, and you know, and or sometimes even in the workplace, and and it was like it was almost like they taught me that I was a, a ethnically diverse person because I because I didn't realize that I was too caught up in 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 the, in, the, in the thrill of it to to stop to think that I was different but the world around me started to tell me that I was different um and and that was a bit of a shock to me different not just from the cultural perspective but also from the gender perspective right um, so 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 that was an interesting thing and Wait, I, I think I also can I ask Sorry? you a question there? Because that's a lot. When you come from another country and you're seeing things one way about yourself and then, you, then you're told that they're different, whether mm-hmm. it was race or gender, mm-hmm. what, what, how did you absorb that? 
Did it make you uncomfortable? Were you kind of like, this is kind of weird. You know, how did you take that information in? I think, yeah, it, it felt a bit weird. I mean, the, the truth is that I, I didn't think, I didn't think that my, my um, uniqueness or my or my background was a big thing. I just thought that we, 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 were, we were all the colors of the rainbow, and yeah. everyone had their own uniqueness that they brought to the table. So, in certain cases, being singled out was odd. It was very odd because I'm like, yeah, why are you asking me this question? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, how am I, Why am I the only token uh, person to be asked? Oh, how is it done in Africa? I don't know. <laughs> like. <laughs> I genuinely don't know because I haven't been back there in a while. Or when I did go back there, I just went to see my family. So um, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure I don't really know enough. Um, so there was that on one hand. And then there was the other hand, the other, the other part of it, which was the fact that I saw things from a different context. So when people were, were coming together to find a solution or they were working on certain things, I'm like, oh, but have you considered this? Because some of these elements were natural aspects of my reality mm-hmm. that um that I just took for granted without realizing that they were not part of certain people's reality for instance I my secondary school education was done in Africa and therefore my perception of certain things um is very different my perception of boarding school is different um you know and it's like you know when you think about that I mean you think about you know for instance in the UK the culture and the norms around going to um uh, it's called you know the the the, the higher league schools the Eton's and etc etc and you know the, the clubs that are formed as a result of that some of those perceptions are different to mine because you know I went to a different a different I was in a different ecosystem and therefore my clubs my associations were different but also it gives me gave me a completely dimension different dimension to life right. um, and, and how I observe that and you know and it's just a little things like you know Africa is not always associated with poverty some of us didn't live in poverty even though we lived in right. Africa so therefore don't use me as the example of how people live in poverty I don't know anything about it either. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, I I mean, I can empathize because I can see the perspective, um, but but that perspective doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the answer to some of those questions, or I'm the I'm the only uh, you know uh, example for for those questions. So it's just little things like that. I think, and then some. Initially, you know, you would answer some of those questions. You would you would dispel some of those um, opinions, and sometimes you make an extra effort to to show people that oh look look at all the great things about Africa. You know, Nigerian uh. weddings are fun. You know, but then after a while, you're like, it takes so much effort. It takes so much effort. <laughs> I, I'm feeling an eye roll. Like really. <laughs> Like, I'm sure you went from like explaining and understanding to like, all right, buddy, that's enough. Okay, we can stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After a while, you're like, okay, fine. Okay, I know where this conversation yeah, is going. Yeah, I know where this I, is going. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to engage. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, so it was hard. I think on one hand, on one hand you really want to let people see that there is a different dimension to your diversity as a rich and a beautiful side to it. Sure. On the other hand, you just feel like um, you're, you are making too much effort to integrate um, and, and it, it drains you after a while. I can understand that. I can understand that because you're always kind of having to over explain mm-hmm. why you're there, where you came from, why it's valid, that it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, 
don't you kind of, dude, don't you kind of know that yourself? You're asking me, why don't you go do some research on it? So figure it out. Sorry, that was kind of bad. Um, <laughs> I want to go to something that you said that we discussed in the pre-interview, which is something that really got me and it's something that I relate to. You said that, I believe it was in your work life in the UK, that your beliefs were challenged in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I want I want you to kind of talk about that because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people will relate to that. Yes, I think that um, and these are more general beliefs now uh, and more around the area of leadership yep. and influence and just navigating relationships in general. So I think that there was, I think my, my just the, the general underlying beliefs around, okay, this is what good good leadership looks like. This is what, you know, needs to be embraced is how I can walk in that path as a leader. I think that a lot of my underlying beliefs uh, were challenged in the right way. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say in the negative way. So, you know, rather than being directional, a leader is not just always the person who knows it all, but, you know, you embrace other people, you influence you, you know, some of those things were, were challenged in a positive way. But then also I realized that I, I, some of my strengths were, kind of um, misunderstood um, in certain ways. So, you know, like my Myers-Briggs profile puts me as an ENTJ, which means that I'm very, ju- you know, the use that very high on the judging spectrum. So it's always black and white. I mean, it's, it's hard to f- find a way in between. Um, I'm usually quite assertive um, and I'm very, very direct in my belief and, and things like that. But then if it was a male figure that way, they'll just say, oh, yeah, that person is a very influential and powerful leader. They know what they want. But um, as a female, mm-hmm. and also a female working in a male-dominated industry, mm-hmm. and a female who, who, who is of color, and sometimes it's like, who is she to, to, to be like this? Why, why, don't, why does she have permission to be like this? You know, and there's all those questions, the unsaid questions. Um, and I remember at some point in a place of work, um, I, I, there was this situation I was in where certain people will come to me and say, Tolu, you're doing a good job. Just keep doing what you're doing. So they'll come to you in the back, <laughs> at the back, they're through the back door to tell you to keep doing what you're doing. And then you'd find some older people who have been around for long enough to, to see what's going on, who will say, Tolu, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. And then you see the vast majority of the others who then take you as personal non grata. Mm-hmm. And then you're wondering why, like, what have I done wrong? Um, what, you know, how? And then you're trying to change your behavior. So, okay, maybe I need to be a bit more social. Or maybe I need to go for, to the pub a bit more. Or maybe I need to invite them to my personal events so they can see the other side of me who is not this person. But So I felt that I was overcompensating for people's beliefs about me and based on certain uh, perspectives that they had. And, and those perspectives stemmed from the fact that they hadn't really seen anyone else, you know, in that looked like me or was like me in that position. So therefore, it was just like, okay, this person is just not our friend or this person is, doesn't belong to our circle. Therefore, the person, it just doesn't belong, period. And it was definitely hard for me to navigate, particularly when emerging into a place of leadership. And I struggled with that a lot because, you know, you know I'm like, okay, what's wrong? What, you know, what's going on? One on my, on my personal side, and on the other hand, also, you know, dealing with lots of 
emotions around that as well. So lots of anger, lots of frustration. Um, also, and I think the other part of this is the fact that I am a hard worker. I put in the hours, I work hard, I stay late, I do that. And then it's like, in spite of that, there are people who would, um, who would ride on your hard work uh, because they have these relationships that you don't have. Um, they would meet at the pub or at the boys club or whatever and make decisions to override you so they look good and you're still working hard. Then there's a part where you're trying to you're trying to emerge as a leader, and then there's this other group that feel like, oh, who gives it? What gives her the right to 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 to, to be in this position? Um, not re- not realizing that the person they're talking to, you know, is well educated, has two degrees in their back pocket plus an extra one in the li- in the in the, in the pipeline, um, has been around for for long enough, even probably more experienced than they are. And because of their bias, they just can't see that that person has the legitimacy of being in that role and therefore they fight against it. So it was for me, it was a frustration of really working hard, but butting your head against the wall constantly and then not having the right role models there. I mean, like, like I said, I did have a few people who would come to me secretly to tell me, oh, yeah, you're doing the good job. Yeah. Um, secretly, 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 secretly. Yeah. Um, but I didn't understand enough at the time. So I think it put me in a haze. I, I think that was what propelled me to, as I said, I, uh, to go and do an MBA. And I focused on my MBA on um, organization and professional development because I felt that there was just something I wasn't getting in terms of the dial to really go in and, you know, and, and figure out what, what was it that was going on in my journey as a leader, but also, more importantly, how I can relate to the organization or the, the business world around me as well. So that yeah. was what prom- pushed me to go to Cranfield at the time. Considering all these opposing forces, and thank you for explaining everything that you did, and all of your words are heartfelt, and I understand, and I can only imagine what that felt like, because that would be frustrating when everyone's judging and creating stories around you. Mm. Um, when you're trying to do your freaking job, mm. i.e. pub people, um, <laughs> like you had mentioned before, which kind of cracks me up. That term is really funny. How did, how did this impact your confidence when these things were happening around you and at you? How did that impact you? Because it, it, it impacted me too years ago, but it was a slower process with me because I was like, huh, did that just happen? Really? So how did it happen with you and how did it impact your confidence? I think that after a while, I started to... I wasn't second guessing myself, but I started to think, oh, maybe I need to just slow down on certain things or downplay certain aspects of me, you know, maybe not be so assertive here, maybe just allow this thing to happen or, you know, maybe just be a bit more friendly. And I remember something that struck me when I, when we were having our, uh, I think we're, I can't remember what it was. It was an assessment center simulation during the MBA program. And we had a team, a leadership team simulation where everyone there was basically a, a, a leadership, a member of the leadership team in, in, in this, um, uh, you know, uh, organization that was made up. And in that meeting, I realized that I did, I wasn't the one who spoke first. I wasn't, I was, I, I was, I wrote down ideas and I changed my mind several times because mm-hmm. I was trying to play mm-hmm. the team player role, which is not my natural thing, right? But what I was doing, and I realized that. <laughs> I realized that I was 
for 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 a period of time, I was being the team player, listening, being empathetic, taking everybody's view into consideration, which are all good things, but to the detriment of playing to my strength and not clearly articulating my beliefs and my my gut feel was being suppressed. And and that for me felt like I was losing my edge. I remember when we had the feedback on that assessment center, you know, the, the interview, I was, I was shocked because the interviewer basically said, Tolly, you're not exhibiting your leadership capabilities. And I was, I was so angry. I was really angry because I'm like, how can you tell me that? Because I know that I can do this, but you're basically not seeing that side of me because I had suppressed it so much just to be a team player. Exactly. That is so well said. You were stifling yourself so that you could just float along when really you were meant to do something from a leadership perspective. And they can squash that. They'll squash that Mm -hmm. because they want, they have certain expectations of you that don't allow you to flourish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And and so that was for me, the beginning point to to realizing, (sighs) you know, this, I was so grateful for the opportunity to go to Cranfield. I mean, it took a, there was a lot of learning then, but yeah. a lot of it was in the head. Um, you know, lots of things that you know, lots of academic knowledge, lots of learning that needed. It took time for it to, um, to to for it to be broken down, for it to really, really disseminate into, um, uh, uh, you know, a more grounded type of uh, education. So I think that journey, and that, that was I'm talking about six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, that that transformation from 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 the from the insights that I received then has really helped to shape my path um, going forward. So <clears throat> my assumptions were challenged, but also I, I got some tools to, to address things from a different perspective. And I think one of the biggest things that I picked up um, was, was was the fact that my uniqueness is my strength. My yes. is my strength um, and, and my opinion matters. Yes. And I should, I should be confident <laughs> enough to, to express that. Um, and also in, in the workplace, power is important. And, you know, there are times when you need to demonstrate power by being assertive. And if a man does it, there isn't a problem with it. If a woman does it, they'll say that, you know she's they'll have something else to say about her yes but so I'm like you know what there are these tools work for both genders it doesn't really matter um you know I I'm already visible I'm already a unicorn because I I don't look like everyone that other person in the room so the attention is on me I must I might as well start to wield that power in my direction <laughs> use it use it <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and well, uh, and, and that's it I, no, I love that. And I love that you said that you learn tools to deal with it. You learn to own it and be yourself because when we're younger and those things are happening. You kind of don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of rolls over you. But now you're like, no, no, I know what I would do. I have tools now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was the UK. I feel like I need a passport. <laughs> then get me, let me know if I'm right on this. You moved back to Lagos. Is that right? Yeah. Was that after UK? Yeah, so okay. I think okay. after that period, I think I just had enough. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go back to Africa. My parents still live there. Uh, you know, nothing is chasing me. You know, and besides, I, I think what also there was this, so, there's so much going on in Africa at the time. And I just felt that it was such an untapped market. You know, I needed to be in that ecosystem um, just for the energy, for the ideas, for the entrepreneurial spirit that was going on. Um, so it was just timely. Um, and, and I felt that, you know, I'd, com- I, I'd really you know, I'd done 11 years in the UK. I wanted to try something else. And I, I really 
I think I was also mentally exhausted. I just needed a break. So that took me to Lagos. Yeah. And what happened when you returned? So I had this notion in my head that, okay, you know, here I, I'm not different. I'm, also, I'm, I'm just as a part of the ecosystem as everyone else. And then I realized, first of all, I am still different because I haven't been in the, in the town for a long time. So everyone sees me as foreign. That's the first thing. That Even I, though you were born and raised there, now you're foreign. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm foreign because I don't talk like them. I, you know, there's just so many other things going on there. Um, and, and, then, and then I realized also that some of, so it wasn't just about the culture now. Um, there was also the gender aspect of things that I hadn't thought about. And um, and that played out very interestingly um, in my, it played out very interestingly in, in, in the place I worked at the time because I wasn't, I was, I was working for someone who was an alpha male um, and very, very traditional. So therefore they expected women to act in a certain way. And I think there was even one meeting I went for where the person, this person, this leader told me that, oh, I expect you to be the mother of everyone else because you can not nurture, you know, nurture the teams. And I'm like, okay. Wow. That's a bit, that is very sexist. Yes, you know, women have a natural inclination to want to nurture and deal with all the softer side of things, but I think you crossed the line there. But he didn't know that. He didn't think that way. Mm-mm. So, so I realized, oh my God, it was like, okay, you're jumping from one play, one bias to another bias. Uh, how, do you na- <laughs> how do you navigate this? Um, and, and then I also realized that the bias, some of the biases that I thought I'd encountered in the UK were the same. It was, there were global biases. It didn't really matter where you were. And then it, I began to realize that it's how you deal with those biases that really matter because they're, they're, then, then, you know, wherever you go, there's always going to be that, that thing that would impact your confidence. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to stay f- for so long in Nigeria um, because I had the opportunity to 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 then go to Dubai, um, but I but I think I hadn't fully learned that lesson on confidence at the time because when I went to Dubai, I just stayed low. I stayed low because I also was thinking about the culture. There was lots of dynamics there. Um, there was lots of dynamics there that um, that I'm not. I, I don't have time to explain to you right now. But it was. I realized that it was important to stay low. To, to, to not to exhibit your full uh, p- capability uh, in, in that sense, to try to gain uh, certain types of relationships. Um, but then I realized that when I took that approach, it was very, very difficult yes. to, to come out of it. Um, so I formed good relationships. Everybody saw me, you know, I was, I was, I delivered, I did, I did a good job in the workplace, but my personality, my passion, my dreams, my wants, my desires weren't really coming across. They just weren't prominent enough. Um, and I felt frustrated, period. You had learned how to put them in a box. You had learned how to control them, to get along, to, to like Mm -hmm. not recognize who you really are and what you're really worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I remember days of some days I'll just, I'll just be like, no, this is not where I'm meant to be. I, I, 
I, I loved it. So I loved the job, you know, <laughs> I loved the lifestyle. I mean, for God's sake, you're in UAE, right? Like, what else can you expect? Yeah. You're sort of, you know, working holiday, right? So uh, it was great. You could travel anywhere in the world. Fantastic. But, um, but it just wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't fulfilling. And I think uh, at some point I just had to make a, that decision to, 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 to carve my own path. And I think my, my husband contributed to that as well. Um, Thanks, because, Banks. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, because yeah, I, I mean, we appreciate yeah, that. Because I've known him for many years. I mean, I knew him since uh, from from university days. So, so he knew me before all the transformation. So I think having that point of reference was was very important because what he did was he pulled out in me some of the foundational things that I'd always believed in myself, and he helped me uh, to 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 uncover those um, in my journey. Right. Right. He brought you back to your why. My why, my core. He brought you back to your core. You need that. You need someone to pull you out of it because I've been mm-hmm. there and I know what it likes to sit in it and dwell in it. It's very disheartening. Mm-hmm. So coming out of it, what, what was it like for you when you stopped to focus on your core and on your why, getting back to Tolu? Um, I think it it happened over many layers, as I yeah. as I mentioned, you know, it's like another. So it, it talked about the first ten years, and then and so there's, so we're talking now about you know the, the the next three years after that, and then transitioning to the the most recent three years or three to four years. Um, I think it's it was a journey, um, lots of transitional elements, lots of uncertainty, lots of figuring out, you know, I was going through a personal transition myself from Mm -hmm. being a single person to a mom to, um, you know, traveling, navigating back um, across the world. I left Dubai, went to the UK, from the UK, came to America. And and so it was a turbulent period of discovery. But I think the, the important thing from there is that those, even those, those experiences helped to reconnect me back to, to who I who I am, because I started to ask myself the question: So, what is it that you really want to do? I remember when I came here, my husband asked me to to, to help with running the Banal Gems and Jewelry. I did that for a year, and and then I began to realize that there were so many similarities between what I was doing at Banalt and what I've always wanted to do and the ideas that I'd written down like 10 years ago that I never really, um, never really focused on. And so it was like, you know, the more I got involved, the more I navigated through all this period of uncertainty, the more I began to realize that um, the thing that held me through that period was why, why am I doing this? What, what's my purpose? How do I see myself? And, and that purpose never changed. The only thing that changed was my, my location and, and how I perceived myself. And I had to change, reorientate that uh, to build my own confidence. And then the purpose became clearer to me. And it was much easier to just focus on that purpose and talk about it uh, with confidence. I love that your purpose became clearer. And I also love that you had made a list 10 years ago and you felt the same today or recently, like that part of you didn't change. It didn't, Mm -hmm. which led, led you to what you're doing now, which I'm going to, we're going to talk more about, but, um, I love that when you gave yourself time and space, you had clarity Mm -hmm. and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Cause I know, I know what you're doing now is incredibly fulfilling for you. 
So um, I think it shows other people they can reach that also. Yes. So I, now we have an idea of how you did it and what you went through. And I know a lot of women are listening to this, feeling motivated by your words, because I am. I'm feeling motivated mm-hmm. on the other side of the mic. What advice do you have for other women who are on their own journey? First advice is do not be disheartened by the fuzziness. The, fu- the fuzziness is part of the journey. Oh, That's true. the first thing I'd say. Um, it's all fuzzy. You're sort of bouncing from one end to the other. You're not even sure where you stand. Embrace it because when you embrace it, you will figure out a way and usually that will pull you to your core. That's the first thing. Second thing is don't try to be like others. I know it's easier said than done, um, but your why is what grounds you. And it's important to keep asking yourself asking yourself that question. Um, and tap into resources, to, you know, the, you, your support system. If you need to go for coaching or you need to work with a business coach or a, a personal coach, do that because what those conversations will do for you is really help you to stop and think and reflect and and then write things down. Um, and and I think I think I think that's what I'd say. I'd say embrace the fuzziness, use so support system as a light to navigate because you do need to hold a lamp even when it's stormy. Um, but also remember where you are, remember your core. Um, and and keep grounded in that core because you will the storm will pass yes and you will remain standing yes very true and I love how you talk about fuzziness because that is such a thing there's so many days are just fuzzy but get comfortable with fuzziness it's part of growth mm-hmm. part of it mm-hmm. Tolu how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect you with you personally and we please tell us about your new business. <laughs> Oh, yes. So, I mean, I I am on LinkedIn, um, so you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, I've also got my, um, my, my, you know, I'm I'm also on, you know, Instagram and other social media channels. You can always contact me via email as well or or by telephone. Um, I can, do you want me to share my number now? Sure. Yeah. You can share Uh, it. Yeah, it's it's four, six, nine, four, nine, three, zero, zero, nine, five. Um, you know, a, a, a quick text uh, is fine, and then we can connect that way. Um, and, and and LinkedIn is great because you know, once once you send a message on LinkedIn, I know who you are, and then we can we can we can chat up that way. Um, but I'm always happy to connect. I think one of the things I've realized in my journey is that you need to one share your story, two be ready to to inspire others with your story. So whoever, as many people as, as reach out to me, I always have something to to give or to offer. Um, so I'm always happy to connect. And you are that kind of person. You're like selfless and giving and kind and thoughtful. And you also have a new fabulous business that's beginning called All Things Black and Beautiful. And they are beautiful. I've seen your your products. <laughs> They're beautiful. Thank you, Holly. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and as part of you know what I was talking about earlier, um, all things black and beautiful is a platform that has been designed to promote um, and amplify black-owned businesses and to showcase and exhibit them on on the world platform. But also, it's a, it's a platform for collaboration. And, and community. The whole vision behind it is that 
together we are stronger and we can navigate challenges because these vulnerabilities that I talked about just now and these these uh, concerns are not just um, uh, relating to one person, but, you know, we all have those vulnerabilities. We all have those insecurities. But if we can connect on, on those things and, and focus on the areas that we have strength, coll- collectively, we can achieve a lot. And I feel that with Black-owned businesses in particular, not just in the U.S., but also in Africa, um, there are some limitations, some limiting beliefs that we have, and, and also just general environmental issues, uh, when I, the business environment, that I feel that if we come together and work to move together forcefully, we can actually support and promote ourselves. So this platform does that, and um, we're launching a, a flagship collection uh, in form of a hamper that showcases selected products from, from Black-owned businesses from around the world. Um, and, and that will be launching in the next quarter. And then following on from that is, is, the, is the platform itself, which will have an opportunity for community, for education, for knowledge sharing, and also resources that will help with marketing and promotion and, and just strengthening our, 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 ourselves as Black-owned businesses, essentially. Yes. And I love it. And I can't wait to watch you grow. I can't wait to watch you evolve and grow because you deserve this and you've earned this and I'm proud of you. So thank you. All right, Ms. Tolu, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you. Enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Confidence is a journey, no matter what your background, location, and ethnicity. We can't take for granted that all of us are on this journey and most importantly, support each other through it. Here are my two tips for you today. Firstly, be empathetic to others who are on their own confidence path. You never know where they're coming from, literally, so be open to their circumstances and experiences. This way, we can learn something from each other. Secondly, like Tolu said today, give yourself time on your personal journey. Take that pause to figure out your next steps. It will bring you clarity, and most importantly, confidence. Those are my parting tips for you today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until the next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners, for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollykaplan.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.